Hello, and welcome to the Career Builders Podcast. I'm Mike Bird. I'm Lisa Picose. Today, we are joined by Anna Lakatova, who is an international career advisor, speaker, and LinkedIn branding trainer. She gets up every day to help people market their professional stories online and in person using their resume, video, and LinkedIn. She gets invited regularly to present at career conferences across Canada and the U.S. and delivers high-powered workshops for job seekers. She loves helping professionals approach their job hunt with confidence, effective tools, and a clear action plan that gets them hired. Her insights have been featured on jobscan.co and multiple other career resources. Her two big passions are public speaking and LinkedIn, which has become the main engine behind her coaching business. Anna, you're joining us from Calgary. Welcome to the Career Builders Podcast. Thanks so much for having me, guys. So cool. And uh, just one thing I guess I'll add to your intro before we get into our topic is that you are the fourth member of four from Job Search Secret Weapon to have been on our show. And we promise that this is not some sort of bizarre affiliation, uh, paid relationship <laughs> or anything like that. It's just, we've had some amazing conversations with your colleagues and it's a pleasure to have you come on board as well to contribute to this really pertinent topic. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And it's a pleasure to be here. And my colleagues are totally like, I love working with them and they're fantastic people. So I'm not surprised that any conversation anyone could have ever had with any one of them would be totally amazing and totally engaging. So I'm, I'm not surprised at all. Yeah, they were fantastic. Cool. So can you kind of give us a little bit more insight because you've taken kind of a, a winding road to get to where you're at right now in your career. I feel like that's true for so many of us now these days, but could you fill our listeners in a little bit more on how you became this awesome career coach? Sure. Um, well, I guess one of the cool things to know about me is that I've lived, studied, uh, job searched and worked in three different countries. So that was quite an experience. And uh, there was a time when I used to sit at the employer's side of the table as a recruiter or HR specialist, and I was screening candidate profiles, screening resumes, and looking for basically for the right person to match with the job opportunity. And I saw how many candidates make very common mistakes and without even knowing, they just ruined their chances of getting that opportunity that might have been a really great fit. And that goes for all career levels, all ages and different backgrounds. And that is something that uh, really stood out for me. And, you know, that's when I realized that being great at what you do is not enough to land an, an awesome opportunity that would bring your career to the next level. So it's like your success also depends on how you're able to tell companies who you are, what you bring to the table and the kind of value that you can add to their business. So, and like the other thing that I saw a lot of job seekers do is they would obsess over what went wrong, what they could have done better, how, like, how can they do better next time in a different interview or in a different setting but they never really get any feedback because it's not the recruiters or the HR person's you know, main goal to give that kind of feedback mm -hmm. because that person is on a different mission. They are in, on a mission to find a person to fit into their company, to fill in a business need. They are not invested in coaching anyone to become that person. They want a solution. They don't want you know, to do the coaching part or walking you through those steps. So 
when I was like sitting at that table and interviewing people, I was always like constantly thinking in my mind, oh my God, if only you had said that, or if only you changed this. And I really wanted to be that voice in their head, letting them know those little or sometimes not so little things that are stopping them from making the right impression and really convincing you know, the HR, whoever the interviewer is, the hiring manager, that they are the best person to do that kind of job, like that kind of a job. And um, yeah, and that's how I decided that I wanted to be a career advisor and I wanted to help people tell their professional stories in a way that will get employers to want to work with them and to want to hire them and pick them out of the pool of tens or hundreds of other people. And, um, you know, one of the things that people are still really stuck on is that they're still blindly sending their resumes to hundreds of jobs and hoping that that's going to you know, get them the right opportunity. And then a lot of people get disappointed because they're thinking, oh my God, why can't I move forward in my career or what am I doing wrong? And that is exactly that, just sending the resume blindly and relying on, on that as the only approach to you know, hunting for your next job. So, um, yeah, and today I'm really honored and proud to be part of that and helping people understand how to talk about themselves and get rid of that anxiety that a lot of people experience when they have to talk about themselves. Mm Because it's always like, am I too braggy? Am I too salesy? Am I underselling myself? Should I be talking about this? Should I be talking about that? There are so many questions and so many blind spots. And, you know, it's, it's really amazing for me to be part of helping people figure those out and break it down into what they need to be doing and kind of transform the way they talk about themselves. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. You've brought up some really big points just off the bat there. I mean, understanding the perspective of someone who is on the other side of the interviewing table as a recruiter, someone in HR, a hiring manager, being not the person who's going to help you develop your a better job search strategy or a better interview prep. Um, and also just the whole, your point about submitting a resume into the void and calling it a day when people start to kind of look at how they're marketing themselves. I, I kind of like to sometimes draw a comparison to like the amount of interruption marketing, the amount of advertising you might see in a given day. I've read recently that when you go to a grocery store, for example, it's like there's, there's up to 10,000 pieces of marketing material that present themselves to you in that grocery store. How much of those do you just completely ignore? And so it, I think that Crazy. it kind of just, there's a parallel there between that perspective that we all experience in our day-to-day lives and then putting it in the context of looking for a job that I think you've hit on in a really beautiful way. And so- Let's, let's dive in a little bit more on the specifics of, of LinkedIn, which I know is kind of really one of your, your big hot button topics right now. And it's, it's cool in that it's kind of one of the oldest big platforms out there. And it's always kind of had this neat identity as being a place for professionals to grow their careers. But why is it now becoming something that's even bigger? Well, so much has changed on LinkedIn uh, recently. And by recently, I mean within the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. After Microsoft took over in 2016, um, like I saw the platform transform completely. So what LinkedIn is today is very, very different from what it used to be five or, you know, six or whatever years ago. 
Um, so today it's not just a place for job search, which so many people still think it is. And that's why so much opportunity is missed there. Um, today it's a truly social and interactive place and it's a place where you can learn and um, you know luckily LinkedIn has launched an amazing learning platform so for their premium members that they get access to LinkedIn learning and they can take courses and webinars and read newsletter series and all kinds of things really so it's it's just you know it's become such a great professional resource and but still people are realizing that we're all humans on LinkedIn, so we are allowed to be human and we're allowed to talk about things that are relevant for any human being, not just the human being that is job hunting right mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. So, um, and, I and I feel like a lot of people are now catching up with the idea of networking as not just something that they have to do because apparently that is this vague concept somewhere in the air that you, know, you need to do networking and go to those awkward events and hand your business cards. <laughs> But today people are like starting to realize that it's actually about building relationships and having those conversations that not only can help you, you know, advance in your profession, in your career in general, but can also be a win-win solution for both sides so that other people can learn from what you know and you can learn from what other people do or know. So that way it's a true conversation, it's a true interaction as opposed to okay, so I'm job hunting. Now I need to talk to five people who can get me five interviews. That's not how it works, unfortunately. And you're right, Mike, LinkedIn today is the place to be for anyone who just wants to advance in their profession. And that profession can be literally anything because I've seen so many industries grow so much on LinkedIn. And I mean, grow their presence, grow the amount of conversations, news, interactions, and learning that it's really, it's, it's a truly valuable resource for anyone today, any age, any stage in their career. I feel like the way that networking has evolved actually takes a lot of the pressure off of it. That's very true. And, I, and you remove a lot of that stigma that goes with the word networking, mm -hmm. that awkwardness or that idea of tit for tat or whatever it is that people think about networking. Yeah, and LinkedIn really provides that social enterprise, just like you were saying, to be able to have conversations with people in such a relaxed environment that it does foster relationship building over that transactional type of interaction. Yeah, for sure. And that's why, to me personally, like truly 100% honestly, LinkedIn is my favorite social platform, not just because I'm building my business with the help of LinkedIn, but because I get so much out of it. But of course, you know, whatever I get is also directly proportional to what I put into it. Mm -hmm. So it's not just about getting stuff out of it, but also about, you know, investing your time, investing your effort and being intentional and strategic about it. But it's truly in terms of the return on the time that I put in, it gives me so much that, you know, um, I, I couldn't even express it in any kind of, um, um, you know, direct way because there are so many implications and so many ways how LinkedIn has changed the way I do business and the way I interact with people. Amazing. Yeah. I feel like we could just end the interview right there and people would have already <laughs> learned a lot. No, yeah. we, oh, we and can... by the way, yeah, by the way, LinkedIn does not pay me to say <laughs> any of that. So just Good. You know, a disclaimer. Got to get that in. <laughs> Let's dial in a little bit into some of the granular parts of of LinkedIn, starting with the profile. So 
you do a fair amount of work helping people with their profile development. What makes a great LinkedIn profile? Well, the biggest thing um, to understand about why you need your LinkedIn profile is that you need that to have people look at it. And that's a big difference with a resume because with a resume, it's not always people that look at it right away. It's mm -hmm. usually the applicant tracking system. So a special software that scans your resume for keywords and determines whether there's enough of them to put you through to a human person to have a look at your resume. But on, your, on LinkedIn, you don't have to worry about any of that. You just need to worry about getting the right people to see your profile and the kind of things that they're going to find in there. So what makes a great LinkedIn profile? A story, a real, engaging, interactive story. Because today, LinkedIn, in your LinkedIn profile is a marketing element. It's an instrument for selling and marketing yourself as a professional and as a person that has some background, some professional history, and has something to offer to companies and employers. And a lot of the times I like to kind of use like an analogy, you know, when people watch an iPhone commercial, um, what do, what, what kind of things do people talk about in that commercial? Do they talk about, you know, how many developers worked on the specific detail in there or how many years it took to come up with that technology uh, or that, you know, best ever chip or whatever processor to insert into that iPhone? They don't talk about things like that. They talk about, you know, how awesome it looks, how great it feels, how you can use it, how it can change your life and make it more efficient, more interactive, how you can do things on the go and feel, you know, um, convenient and comfortable and how mm -hmm. you can even feel cool because you are part of that, you know, community of people who have that ecosystem that Apple has created. But enough about Apple. The point is, that's what the iPhone commercial talks about. So why do so many LinkedIn profiles not present you in a way like Apple presents their iPhone, but presents you in a way as in, in 1992, I went and did this. And then in 1993, I took a career break and then, you know, something else happened. Of course, your work history is important, but it's, again, it's not a resume. It's a way to market yourself, tell your story, and look at for all of those small details that make up a great marketing piece. So a lot of the times people overlook things like their, let's say their background image, like the image that goes at the top right behind their headshot um, on their profile and they leave it blank. So the default blue little thing, or they use some kind of a weird stock image that has no relationship whatsoever to the stuff that that person does. But those small details, they can, they build a brand and they make your profile memorable and they can help you stand out. So all of those little things, they create a true marketing piece that can help you, you know, that can work for you as opposed to against you when you talk to employers, recruiters, and hiring managers. Wow. Yeah, that That's makes a great analogy. Very good analogy. Just, just shifting from the mindset of being a, a personal marketer for yourself, I think is like that is transformative. And I'm guessing that that's probably where a lot of your engagements with clients probably starts. Correct me if I'm, I'm wrong on that guess. Yeah, for sure. Like a lot of clients that I work with, um, it's hard for them to shift that mindset and mm -hmm. to think of themselves as, you know, so if Apple markets an iPhone, how can I market myself? So now I am the product, I am exactly. the iPhone, but now I need to think how I need to market myself. And that's hard to do. 
Um, so that's where I come in and I help them figure it out. But at the same time, you know, it's one thing to just understand how to do it and know the approach or know the right, um, you know, uh, strategy there. But the other thing is to be able to put it into words that do not sound like you took them out of an encyclopedia or Wikipedia or wherever. Yeah. So it needs to, you know, remain human, but at the same time, hit all the right keywords and sound professional and truly hit on those key points that recruiters and employers are looking for. So that's, that's a tricky thing to do. And that's why I love helping clients to do that. Cool. What would you say are like the top, maybe you've kind of already hinted at this, but what would you say are the top two or three corrections that you make most regularly to a client's profile? Well, I work on all, like literally all the sections of profiles. Uh, but I think the, the, like kind of the most important ones that I always need to spend quite a bit of time on um, is the headline, the summary or the about section, and then the section with uh, the skills and endorsements. Mm. Um, and that one probably is surprising to a lot of people because a lot of uh, LinkedIn users completely forget that that section even matters and that, you know, that has any weight in how they present themselves on LinkedIn. So they usually put a lot of generic skills like team player, teamwork, relationship building, and that kind of oh, communications, uh, which, you know, is a very general term. So what exactly does that mean in the context of your background and your work history? Um, so yeah, and when it comes to, let's say the headline, um, it's usually me trying to turn it into a marketing slogan that is packed with the relevant keywords, as opposed to just, you know, job title at company name, which is kind of the default option that so many people, um, still use these days. Um, and the about section is usually the hardest because people are still very much um, confused about how long it should be. Mm -hmm. Should it be just the, you know, the, the copy of the summary from my resume that talks about, you know, um, a marketing professional with 10 years of experience doing this and that, you know, great communicator, team player. And again, all, all of those generic things that are very commonly seen in resumes. So for me, it's about transforming that into a story having a certain, um, you know, strategy to how it positions and how it explains what you do in a way that is not boring. That's number one. And in a way that gets people to reach out to you and want to partner with you. Amazing points. Yeah. Those makes total sense. And I, I know I see a lot of people who have about sections that are really nothing to spend more than maybe two seconds on. And then, people who have clearly put effort in terms of developing a story, like you've said, makes a huge difference. So much totally. more memorable. And on top of that, you know, one of the biggest objections that I get is, well, nobody has time to read my about section anyway, so why bother? And my, my response is always, well, maybe if you make it more engaging and put more effort into it, that's when somebody will actually want to spend two extra minutes reading mm -hmm. your about section. But if you're defaulting to, you know, the, the cliche two, three sentences that you use everywhere, well, no, it's not a surprise that no one wants to engage or no one is excited about that because you need to get people excited and that's not their job to get excited from something that is not exciting. And I've used the word exciting probably way too many times, uh, but I hope that makes sense. Makes total sense. I yeah, I feel like in my own personal experience, just thinking about when I go to somebody's profile, I spend more time on the profiles where they have something interesting to say in that section. So 
I'll actually take the time, just like you're saying, and read through it and say, oh, that's really interesting. And maybe I'll send the person a message based on that little blurb, as opposed to just saying, oh, they didn't really put a lot of effort in. I'm, I'm going to look somewhere else. Yep, that's very true. You've talked a little bit about resumes and how they compare to LinkedIn. Let's just take a quick dive there. I mean, how ideally should LinkedIn complement a resume? Well, um, there's actually a good analogy that I can use here as well. Um, so if you were told to, you know, uh, try very hard and look at an object far, far away, the very first thing you would need to do is, well, turn towards the direction where that object is, right? So that's step one, because then, then you wouldn't be able to see it. So that's what your LinkedIn profile does. It turns you towards that spectrum of opportunities that you're interested in, but it still leaves you some space and some wiggle room in terms of, you know, your targeting and in terms of how you're presenting yourself. But if you were really to say, hey, now can you zoom in on that object and let me know, you know, what color it is or how many details it has or whatever. So you're really zooming in and looking very, very closely. That's what your resume does. So it zooms in on one specific opportunity or one type of opportunities that is very very detailed and very specific and presents you as a person who can be a good fit for that opportunity so in that way you can you can think of it as a re your resume is just a part of the entire story that your linkedin profile should be able to tell and not the other way around which is usually the case so or well usually the case is that people simply copy paste one to the other and that's it um, and that's, again, that's missed opportunity because one thing is to write something very specific for an applicant tracking software to screen through and eat up those keywords and say, yeah, that person has done this and that. And I think that that person should be looked at more closely. The other thing is to show a human being that also has emotions, that also has interests, that also is looking for a certain profile not from the point of qualifications, but from the point of the cultural fit or emotional intelligence and all those things. So presenting to that audience is a very different story. And that's why your LinkedIn profile is not the same thing as your resume. It's, the, it's a much broader thing that can market your story and really make it human. Whereas your resume is very specific and it talks in a language that is, you know, Underst understood in the world of resumes, period. That's super insightful and I love that analogy. Thank you for sharing that. So reading recently that only about 1% of users regularly post on LinkedIn, that blew my mind when I saw that. And why do you think people are so okay with being silent listeners on the platform as opposed to actively engaging? Well, I think there, like, there's a whole set of reasons why that happens. And I think the biggest one is definitely uh, one of the myths that exists around LinkedIn is that if you have a profile and if it's good enough, people will just find you. So all you need to do is polish up your profile and then sit back, relax, and wait for people to start calling you every single day wanting to work with you. Um, and I wish things were that straightforward, uh, but that's simply impossible given the current competition and how mm -hmm. you know, the job market works in general. Um, the other thing that um, kind of you know, is a turnoff from starting to put yourself out there is that anxiety that people experience because it's something that they've never done before. They've never 
you know, published content or they've never thought about their visibility in that way. And of course, when, when it's something that you've never done, your first reaction, well, probably some level of curiosity, but when it comes to actually doing it, there's this anxiety and that reflex of no, that's new. I don't know how to do it. Probably I don't even need to do it. And then you're looking for all those reasons to justify why you don't need to be active on LinkedIn and why it's all you know, just uh, fluff and people saying that it works, but it actually doesn't because you've published one post in a year and it didn't get you anywhere. So, oh yeah, it means that LinkedIn does not work. And the other thing that, um, you know, keeps a lot of people um, as lurkers in the background mm -hmm. is, you know, feeling that pressure that if it comes to regularly posting content on LinkedIn because there's this pressure of, well, we have to be professional, right? It's about my career. It's about my job. It's not about, you know, the barbecue that I did on the weekend or, you know, the, the dog that I adopted from the shelter or how many cups of coffee I drink every day. So there's this pressure of feeling like, so now what I need to do is I need to invent something truly groundbreaking and just talk about it to everyone and just wow people with my amazing thoughts and inventions. And again, it doesn't need to be that way. And if you look at the content that people are publishing on LinkedIn, well, obviously some of it is truly insightful and valuable, but a lot of it is just finding a different angle on an idea that has been around for God knows how long. So everyone, literally anyone, has stuff to say and stuff to share that will add value to others. But the question is, can you find an angle that would make other people want to engage with it and think and say, oh yeah, I never thought of it that way. Or that's an interesting way to put it. Or mm -hmm. I love that example and that really resonates. So all of those reasons, and I totally understand those reasons because well, been there, done that. So you know, before I got started with, um, you know, content creation and before I hit that, you know, publish button the very first time, I had all of those thoughts as well. And the other, like the pressure of, you know, a perfectionist inside me thinking, well, everything needs to be hundred percent ideal. It needs to be polished. You need to spend hours and hours, you know, thinking about this and making sure that it's the right thing to do. Sometimes it's just about getting started and figuring stuff out as you go, but a lot of people are afraid to do that. And I understand because it's exposure and mm -hmm. that pressure of, oh, it's about my career, it's about recruiters, it's about hiring managers. What if, I, what if they see me saying stuff that doesn't mean you know, something or that is not groundbreaking, what am I gonna do? So, but it's completely natural at the same time, but it doesn't mean that you cannot do it. I really like your point about having something familiar and take having a different take on it. I'm reading a book right now called Hitmakers, and they talk a lot about how people are more likely to engage with something that they're familiar with. So having that idea, like having something brown breaking might not actually get you the same engagement as if you're taking an idea and just putting your own spin on it. Absolutely. And on top of that, there's an emotional aspect because like, I post a lot of content on LinkedIn pretty much daily. And surprisingly enough, I, I still keep learning myself every single day. And the posts that have generated the most conversations or the, the highest engagement and got me some leads or some clients or some you know traction, those were usually the posts that I just wrote 
completely, you know, on the spot, right off the bat, because something was really bothering me or something I, like, I was really interested in. And I just felt like saying something without, you know, a lot of, uh, oh, what are they going to think? What am I going to do? Like all of those thoughts, you just throw all that stuff away and you just express an idea. And that's what resonates with people because apparently you'll be surprised you're not the only one who is interested in that or you're not the only one who feels that way. So that emotional aspect is very, very important when it comes to creating content. So true. You've talked about something there um, that I just would love to hear your thoughts on. So you, you said you've, you produce content pretty much daily and that repetition, I'm sure, has helped you build your voice over time and, and yep. feel free to, to disagree with me there. But for someone who is just getting started, like what does that development feel like to be able to just write something from the top of your head and put it out there and see it actually get traction because you've done it so many times? Honestly, a lot of the times it feels um, a lot more mundane and tedious than you <laughs> might think. So it's not like, oh, every day I have this, you, you know, creative hour of inspiration and meditation where I sit down and ideas just flow magically from my <laughs> pen. Like there is no romance like that. A lot of the times I feel like, oh my God, I've talked about, you know, the topic of LinkedIn profiles, let's say, or the topic of job interviews so many times. Can people really still wonder about it? Can there really be still other things to say on the topic and surprisingly enough there is and people are still interested and um and like i think the idea here is that usually for people to build that association between you know let's say anna and um, career coaching or anna and linkedin branding it takes five to seven impressions Mm -hmm. for them to build that association in their brain. So that's like a scientific fact from marketing. That's not something that I just invented. Um, So, you know, and that's why sometimes you feel like you're talking about the exact same thing, even sometimes using the exact same approach, but it still finds its audience and it still resonates because maybe today it was this group of people who saw you. But in a week, they already forgot about it. They, they, they had other things on their mind. They got busy and stuff. So in a week, it's again that reminder. And they're thinking, oh my God, yes, I still need that. I'm still curious about this. It's still something that you know, I need to learn more about. Or potentially a week after, it's a completely like, different audience that looks at that kind of content. Mm-hmm. So you might think, or for, for you, it might feel like, oh my God, I'm just sharing the exact same thing over and over and over again. But it's every single time it's different. There are different people who find it insightful and who find value and you know, get value out of it. And it's about building that brand association through consistency, which is a lot less you know, inspirational or romantic as someone might think when they think about writing content and being a content creator. For people who are just starting out on LinkedIn and they'd like to build a stronger presence on the platform, what would you say to them? Well, the number one thing that I would say is avoid, um, you know, indicating your job searching or your job availability or stuff like, you know, hashtag O&O, open to new opportunities. And I know that there probably will be a lot of people who would disagree with me on that, but 
I strongly believe that people are not going to hire you or want to you know, reach out to you just because you are available. They will want to reach out to you because of what you know and what you can do. So you have limited space on your LinkedIn profile. It's, you know, sometimes it's a little bit more, sometimes it's a little bit less space, depending on the section, but it's still limited. So use it wisely and don't waste it on saying things like, I am looking for a new opportunity or I'm available to start or stuff like that. The other thing is when it comes to, you know, building LinkedIn presence and wanting to get noticed on LinkedIn, you have to think of it as a long-term investment. So it's not like today I wrote a post, I clicked publish, tomorrow I'm going to get three job offers. No, it doesn't work that way. And the return on your investment will always, always, always be proportional to what you've invested. So if you put in five minutes of your time thinking about your about section or your, the way your profile looks in general, don't be surprised that there will be no one else willing to spend more than five minutes looking at it and thinking about what you can bring to the table. So it's about what you can put in and then you can expect you know, to get value out of it. And I guess the, like the third and kind of the biggest lesson that I've learned, which was not a very easy thing to learn, by the way, um, is that consistency will always beat intensity when it comes to creating visibility on LinkedIn. So mm. you might think that, okay, so today I have my entire evening dedicated to hard LinkedIn rebranding work. Great. You've got through it and then you're like, whew, okay, I'm done. So now I'm not going to appear on LinkedIn for one month because I've had enough. That's, that's not going to get you anywhere. It's much better to do it in small chunks or in small steps, but very, very regularly. So you can start with as little as five or 10 minutes a day. And I can assure anyone who is listening, you do have five to 10 minutes a day. When you're having a cup of coffee, when you're in... In, you know, in transit somewhere, uh, in, I mean, in public transport, when you are about to go to sleep or when you wake up, you have those five to 10 minutes, or you can borrow them from your Facebook and Instagram activity. <laughs> I'm pretty sure those social platforms will not mind that you, and will not get jealous. Um, so, you know, you have that time, but and then once you create a habit out of it, it will become second nature. Like to me, I wake up, first thing I do, I go on LinkedIn. And it doesn't mean I'm boring. It means that, you know, I, it excites me and it, I, I want to go there. I want to do something on that platform. And I know that it's going to get me somewhere, wherever that is. And I might not always know exactly where that is. So remember, smaller, consistent, regular steps will get you so much further than one-off, big, chunk of work that you feel so great about, you know, the next day, but then nobody will ever see it and nobody will create, again, create that association between who you are and what you do. And they will not remember you from just one appearance on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. Such an important point. Yeah. Frequency wins out, right? In marketing. And, and you talked about the five to seven impressions per person to kind of actually land a spot in that in that user's mind, like without it, you're just sort of a flash in the pan and gone forever. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Cool. Sweet. So true. So when you, 
I mean, we're talking a lot about LinkedIn presence today, and I feel like it also relates to personal branding, which you are also really involved in and helping people to create their personal brand. Personal branding seems to have a little bit of a stigma around it that people are like, I don't even know what that is. Where do I even start with it? So what is the importance of a personal brand and what are kind of the components that make it up? Um, you're totally right, Lisa. A lot of people still are either confused about what it means or they feel like it's about constantly pitching yourself to everyone around you and being that annoying, you know, salesy uh, person. Um, but it's none of those, none of those, sorry. Like personal branding really is about looking at yourself as a brand and knowing that whatever you have to offer, whatever you've done, and that relates both to your professional, your personal life, your volunteering, like whatever it is that you are excited about in life, that makes up who you are. So everything you do becomes part of that brand that you create around yourself. And the question is, do people know what you really stand for? Do they know what you're about? So it's not about, you know, constantly pitching yourself or wanting to get hired or anything like that. It's just, it's just about understanding that if you want to advance, if you want to get better, if you want people to work with you, you need to tell them what you can do because they're not going to be able to assume or guess. Mm -hmm. So and in order for you to do that, in order for you to get that message across, you need to be applying very similar principles that are applied in marketing when companies market a product or a service or sell something. A lot of the times it's the same approach, it's just that it's applied to yourself and you become the, the brand. LinkedIn is just a part of it because LinkedIn can be a huge part of your professional online presence. Mm -hmm. And you know, in today's world when everything is moving online, that's kind of the way for people to to screen you for, you know, whether it's at all whether it makes sense for them to talk to you, whether it's going to be interesting, whether it's going to be what they're looking for. So it's a way for you to have that um, digital handshake, so to speak, where they get to understand a little bit about who you are and that gets them excited to take it to the in-person or real life conversation. It used to be the other way around. It used to be, you know, oh, I met someone cool. So do they have any online presence? But that was, you know, that, that time is over. So today it's the other way around. First you find someone online and you think, oh, that's interesting. That's cool. I want to learn more. And now let's take it into a real life conversation. Mm -hmm. So that's what personal branding is about. And it's not just about online presence is a part of it. It's also about how you behave offline. What do people, you know, what comes up in their minds when your name comes up? Like what's the association that is created there? All mm. of those things, they are part of your personal brand. But to me, you know, it's just the idea of, thinking of yourself as a brand, not many people are able to do that. And mm -hmm. that's why personal branding is such a confusing thing for a lot of us. And there's still a lot of questions and, um, you know, interpretations of it. And there are probably a ton of really nice and um, formal definitions of it that you can Google and find, but you know, none of them are, uh, well, or at least not all of them are really helpful. What is helpful is understanding that if you don't know how to market yourself, no one else will ever do that for you. So mm -hmm. it's about you being consistent again and knowing how to build that brand. And you, the good news is that you don't need to be a marketing guru to know how to build that brand. 
Sometimes you just learn as you go and you figure stuff out. But at least you have a strategy that gets you to your goals in your professional life or in general in terms of you know, what makes you a professional, what makes you a human being that is great at something. Mm-hmm. I love the analogy too of the, the actual product or company because we were talking about Apple before. And if you think of Apple, you know what they value, you know what their whole pitch is. And so if we were able to look at ourselves that way and come up with some words to describe ourselves, values, things like that, then it seems like that would be a really great way of kind of moving that forward. For sure. And it's also what's interesting here is that it's not about getting everyone to like you because not everyone likes Apple. And, you know, and there are people who aren't even Apple users, but they still have a certain idea of what Apple Mm -hmm. stands for. They don't have to like it. They don't have to stand behind it and they don't have to buy into it, but they know. And that's the other thing that is very important for networking because in networking, you have your stronger ties, which are your closest um, friends, colleagues, like the closest circle of people who you talk to on a regular basis, who know pretty much, well, every other day what you're up to, like those kind of people. And they know regardless what you stand for because they are very close to you. But, they are, but there are also those weaker ties in your network that are still lurking behind the scenes and they don't always, you know, they're not always curious about what you're up to, but every once in a while they're like, hey, I haven't thought about him or her for a while. What are they up to? Like, what, what are they doing? And that's like, that's the other advantage of your online presence. And that's something that I've been experiencing for a while now is that Sometimes random people that I have no idea of, like who they are, what they do, I I don't know who they are, but they know who I am and they know what I'm up to. So when an opportunity comes up and they are like, ooh, this is something that Anna would be interested in, or that is something that Anna can help you fix. So that association is created automatically, but of course that is something that, you know, required a lot of time, a lot of effort and everything. And not everybody has the time or the need to do it to that extent. But that's kind of the, the, the ultimate result of personal branding is that people you don't know have that association. And of course, Apple has done it on a much, much bigger worldwide, worldwide scale. And you don't need to go that far, obviously. Yeah, that provided so much clarity. Thank you. Uh, my pleasure. A lot of the times people are, you know, they rely too much on that close circle and those stronger ties that we mm-hmm. talked about, but they don't realize that those weaker ties can be a great resource of opportunity because you're stronger, like the, the, the people you're closest to, they know you from one angle because they're used to you being a certain person and um, they are, you know, that association is already created. So it's very hard to, um, to break through it. Mm -hmm. But the weaker ties, they are more flexible in that regard and they can bring you opportunities that are outside of your reach because your stronger ties, they already pretty much gave you everything they could most likely. And on top of that, they also have very similar blind spots to yours because Mm -hmm. you share a lot of the same opinions and values and views and all of that. But your weaker ties, the people you don't talk to that much or that regularly, they might be quite different. So they might look at you from a completely different perspective and have a completely new association between you and an opportunity and they can bring it to you. So that's why, you know, personal branding 
it's, it's so closely related to networking and all the benefits that it can give you in terms of your professional development. Makes sense. That is such a great point about the blind spots with your strong ties and something I'd never thought of, but it makes so much sense. Just a kind of a aha moment for me personally, <laughs> which is always great when the podcast host gets kind of woken up uh, to something brand new. So well done. Um, that's a really valuable piece of information for, for our listener. Thank you. Cool. I appreciate that. So Anna, we have this, this backend part of our episodes that we like to run through with all of our guests, some questions that we like to bring up. And so I'll bring it back to Lisa uh, to see how you do in this lightning round. <laughs> sure, let's do it. <laughs> so at the beginning, you mentioned that you had lived and job searched in three countries. And just my own curiosity is wondering, what were those three countries? Uh, Russia, where I was born, uh, Germany, where I lived for a while, and now Canada. Very cool. Awesome. Um, so we always like to ask our guests about fun in their career. So what would you say is the most fun that you've had in your career so far? Honestly, I, I'm happy to say that it is right now. I'm having the most fun um, is when I already, um, I already have a certain brand. I already have a certain image and I'm already able to attract people who relate to that image. And it's really fun to work with people who are in, in certain ways, very like-minded. So they share very similar principles or strategies, but at the same time, they come from all over the place and different stories and different backgrounds. And that is so exciting because every single day I learn something new and I love that. It makes me feel dynamic. It makes me feel like I'm never, you know, at the exact same spot tomorrow as I was yesterday. Mm. Cool. All right. The next question is, we all take some sort of risk in our career at some point. So what would you say is the biggest risk that you've taken in your career and how did it turn out? Um, definitely starting my own coaching business. Um, and also I did it at a pretty young age. So I had to, you know, come to a stage with a lot of people who had way more life experience. And well, obviously there is no way to um, undervalue that because life experience is life experience and it always gives you insight into so many different things. So, and a lot of people have still, unfortunately, still have that stigma around young age and, you know, especially when it comes to like creating content and everybody's like, Ooh, those young bloggers, they think they are experts and all of that. <laughs> so I never, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a pretty humble person, I would say. So I never think of myself as a, an expert in anything, although I might know quite a bit in a certain area or on a certain topic, but I always, I'm always open to learning and I always, I'm always open, open to realizing that there's way more out there than I'm, than I may ever grasp and that's okay mm. um, but it, it was definitely a risky move and um, you know a lot of moving pieces uh, but I don't regret it for a second and um, it brought me to where I am today and I think there's still a lot um, waiting for me in the future awesome cool yeah there's such a difference to tap into what you said about sort of ageist beliefs such a big difference between the number of years we've lived and the amount of living we've done in our years. So I'm, yeah. I'm happy that you have never really seen that as a hurdle for you. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, it's, I know that it's a stereotype and I totally understand the people who are saying, you know, if I'm two, two times older than this girl, what can she possibly advise me on? But again, 
it doesn't mean that if you've lived more years that you know more about that specific problem that you cannot seem to figure out. So mm. that's why I always believe that people of different ages, it's great when they come together and they bring those different perspectives. On the one hand, yes, you have life experience and years of experience in a certain field, but with younger people, you get a lot of new energy and a lot of new insight that can completely shift your perspective. So in that regard, um, I'm pretty lucky that a lot of my clients see it the exact same way. That's why I work with all kinds of generations. And um, that's why that's what makes it so fun. Cool. So the last question I have is, what is the best piece of career advice that you have ever received? Uh, well, the best piece of advice that I, I think like um, got me the biggest value and it's not, not just in terms of career, but I would say life in general was that take advice from, um, from the people that you actually want to become. And I don't mean it literally, but if you're looking at someone and the kind of um, situation they're in, and if you're thinking, this is something that I never want for myself, not because if it's, you know, whether it's wrong or bad, but not in that way, but in a way that that's just something not for me and not something that I want in my life, then their advice probably will not be very applicable because their advice got them to where they are today. And if you're, if you're wanting to go a completely different route, then probably that advice is not going to help you. So, but a lot of the times people are, you know, when they feel like, oh, but I'm asking someone who has a lot of authority and way more experience and all of that, it doesn't mean that their advice is 100% applicable to your life, to your situation and to your goals. And that is something that I always try to remember because people love giving advice. Mm -hmm. And uh, most of the time I truly, truly appreciate it. But at the same time, it's not, it's not every piece of advice that you should take. So um, because sometimes it can, you know, get all that additional pressure and also get you somewhere where you don't want to go. So always remember that not every piece of advice needs to be taken. That's such great advice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anna, where can people find out more about you and your work? Um, well, obviously, um, everyone is welcome to find me on LinkedIn. That's the place where I hang out a lot. And I share a ton of free content, uh, video, articles, posts, whatnot. So more than welcome to find me there. Um, you can also uh, visit my website, um, cvlabs.ca, and find out more about the services that I offer and the kind of stuff that I do. And the other place where there's a lot of great information is Job Search Secret Weapon, which is something that we talked about in the beginning where um, the four of us, uh, four career coaches and resume writers, we got together and launched this platform that offers kits and do it yourself, a lot of do-it-yourself information for people who do not really have the time to hire a coach or the funds or whatever the reason may be. So there's a lot of great resources that we put together and we really invested like a lot of, you know, brain work into this to make sure that that is something that can be applicable, practical, and, you know, that the kind of advice that you would want to take as opposed to the kind of advice that may actually do more harm than good. So that's another place uh, we have. Obviously, you can follow us on social media, and um, you can also visit us at jobsearchsecretweapon.com and sign up to our newsletter. Fantastic. And yeah, just after having been in conversation with all four of you guys now, it's definitely something that 
I feel fairly confident endorsing not having gone through it explicitly, but having known the people behind it, I think it would be a fantastic resource for anyone who's looking for a little bit of help. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. We'll call it at that for this week. Thank you so much for joining us again for the Career Builders Podcast. I'm Mike Bird. I'm Lisa Kosek. Our guest, Anna Lakatova, and we hope you'll be with us again soon. Bye for now.